Alright, here we go. Wrestling with Theology, episode 112. Finally digging deeper into the Psalms, getting into Psalms 4 through 6 today as we continue to progress through the month of February, getting into deeper into the season of Lent. Today we see the Psalms being part of our daily life as a church. One of the books I got years ago when studying the Psalms and doing an entire year of the Psalms uh, for preaching was Patrick Henry Reardon's book, Christ in the Psalms, where he went through in his church's bulletin and did a little blurb, half page each side of each individual Psalm, giving some devotional thought to it. Sometimes he places where they are looked at in the life of the church, in the various services, in times of day. Others, he just gives great little points. And this is one of the things I wanted to bring out from last month that I didn't have the book for. Uh, the first of the Psalms that the church has put to a specific spot was Psalm 3. And that they put right after waking up. So in Eastern Orthodox, it's not only prayed when they pray the first eight Psalms, all together at Saturday Vespers, but it is also daily as the first of the six psalms prayed at the beginning of Orthros, or as we would know, Matins. So this, especially from the time of the rule of St. Benedict onward, Psalm 3 was basically the first psalm you spoke in the morning. And why do I go back to Psalm 3 for this little tidbit of church history? when we're especially looking at 4 through 6, is because Psalm 4 has basically the same position, except for instead of being the first one of the first service of the day, when St. Benedict wrote his rule and created the prayer of Compline as the prayer right before going to bed, Psalm 4 was the first of the psalms in that service. And we still have that today in our service in the Lutheran service book. And as the rubrics are lined out in the altar book for the Lutheran service book, when we get to Compline and the psalmody after the confession of sins, one or more psalms may be sung or spoken. Traditionally, Psalms 4, 91, and 134 are appointed for Compline. And sometimes only one of those are used, sometimes all three of them are used, just depending on the usage and the desire for the word and especially the Psalms in the service of Compline. But then again, if you are outside of a you know, Concordia uh, University or one of the seminaries, or even the higher things uh, youth conferences that happen every year for the LCMS, you probably have never done Compline because it is very rarely used. But it is a very wonderful service. And I would love to be able to do that here, but it's one of those things where introductions take time and teaching as to why the service of Compline exists. But that is for future down the road. But Psalm 4, we have, outside of the placement in the liturgy, it is really a psalm I go back to over and over again for many of my shut-ins over the years as I prepare their funeral services. This is one of those psalms that I look towards 
as an alternative to the standard everybody wants to use Psalm 23, which when we get to the 23rd Psalm, we'll talk about how wonderful it is. But again, for people that I have ministered to, I see Psalm 4 as one of the better psalms for them. So let's get into it. Psalm 4. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than when they than they have when their grain and their wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So far, Psalm 4. Many times, especially for those who have been beset by a very prolonged illness or a series of prolonged illnesses or medical problems, the question and the cry comes out, Answer me when I call, O God. O God of my righteousness. We talk about God being righteous, but he's also the God of my righteousness, that he is the God who gives me my righteousness. We would not be considered righteous if it were not for him and his sacrifice of his son. And only through that does he give us relief when we are in distress. Only in that can he be gracious to us and hear our prayers. Because outside of Christ, God does not listen to prayers. God does not accept those prayers. And God is only gracious because he is gracious to his entire creation, but especially for the household of faith. But then again, that's God. We move on to us and our neighbors. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? This is the condition of man. We love vain words. We seek after lies. And we see this over and over again as we look to the political realm, where in America we have that staunch divide between Republicans and Democrats. And basically, on both sides, they consider themselves to be the saints and the other side to be the devil incarnate. And very rarely can you find a way to work together. And that's the problem in our lives. We love to seek after the things that divide us because we want that division, not because we dislike people, but because we want to pump ourselves up. But that's where he goes in verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. You can be angry. There is such a thing as righteous anger. And we see this from Jesus himself as he goes in to cleanse the temple. And what does he do when he sees the money changers and those selling the sacrifices inside the temple courts? He makes a rope, and a whip out of rope, and starts turning over tables. He's not sinning when he does that. But he is showing righteous anger. But what does he say to us? Ponder in your own hearts on your beds 
and be silent. This is part of the great commandment of Moses, the Shema of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But it goes on to talk about talking about his word in every aspect of life. When we get up and when we lie down, when we walk along the way, and when we sit in our house, all of these places, all of these times are times we should be meditating on God's word. So what does he say? Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. David will go on to tell us what those right sacrifices are in Psalm 19. Sorry about that, not Psalm 19, one of the other major psalms that comes over and over and over again. Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. These are the right sacrifices. Not all the blood of bulls and goats and everything else that was sacrificed over all of them. Those had their place because they foreshadowed the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus, as we talked about a little bit in our Digging Deeper into Exodus. But when I get into, later this year, the monthly look at the sacrifices of the Levitical system, We'll see that again and again. For all these things, yes, they are commanded by God, but they are commanded as a foreshadowing of what is to come in Jesus. So with this, there is the fact that Christians have more joy in our hearts than when grain and wine abound. When, we are, when our bellies are full and when our spirits are enlivened with the intoxicating effects of wine. In abundance. We have more pure joy having been deeply entrenched in his word, meditating on it in our hearts and on our beds. So then with that, he concludes Psalm 4, in peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is where my use of it for funeral sermons and services come in. Because now, having fought the good fight, having run the race, as Paul tells Timothy, these saints now rest in peace, having received their eternal reward, being made to dwell in safety because of their faith in Christ. So now we move on into Psalm 5. To the choir master for the flutes, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an empty grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions. Cast them out, 
for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So far, Psalm 5. Give ears to my word, O Lord. Consider my groaning. This is one of those psalms that cries out, like Psalm 4, for God to hear us as we pray, to give attention to us. And what do we do? In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Again, the sacrifices of a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, crying out in prayer, watching and waiting for God's answer. And why do we set a sac- prepare a sacrifice of prayer and watch for God to answer? For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. The holy God and a sinner cannot mix together in the same company. It cannot happen. God's holiness and justice will destroy the sinner. Therefore, he says, you destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But you and I are sinners. How can we be able to approach God, and as Jesus instructs us, to call him our Father. That's verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. It is only the steadfast love of the Lord that Jeremiah says in Lamentations never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. It is only through his steadfast love that we are able to enter into his house, to enter into his presence, to call him our Father. And we can call him that because of his steadfast love in Christ. This past Sunday, the Old Testament reading in the three-year cycle was Genesis 22, the sacrifice of Isaac. And the fact that it is the steadfast love of God that spared Isaac. Abraham did not plunge the knife into his heart. But on the cross, on Golgotha, on Calvary, God the Father plunged the knife deep into Jesus' chest. That death blow came with full force. And that death blow came because of his steadfast love for you and me, his creatures. Therefore, we ask him to lead us in his righteousness and to make his way straight before me because they have no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. By nature, human beings want nothing but evil. We want nothing that deals with God and his righteousness, his holiness, his law. We want just what we want. And therefore it says their throat is an open or an empty grave. It's sitting there just as a trap for you to fall into. So we pray in this psalm, make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. And as in my personal devotions, I'm going through the books of the history of the kingdom of Israel, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. I'm 
just starting First Kings now. And in the introductory material, one of my commentaries by Walter, Walter A. Meyer III talks about how this plays out. That they fall by their own counsels many times so that God's will is done and replacing them as king. But in Judah, keeping that line alive so that his promise to David continues on so that we might get Jesus. Verse 11, But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them. That is one of the great pictures of heaven is that great heavenly choir in Revelation singing to the Lord at all times, loving the fact that he is steadfast love and faithfulness personified because he does spread his protection over those who take refuge in him, who believe in him. So now we move to Psalm 6. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, according to the Shemineth, a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Thus far, Psalm 6. Psalm 6 is the first and shortest of the seven penitential psalms in the Psalter. And what we have here is that basic thing in the penitential psalms of that cry out, not to hear me, but O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious. Why? Because I am languishing. My bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. This is very reminiscent to Jesus' words at the end of the Gospels where he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he comes, he separates Peter, James, and John a little bit further and deeper into the Garden. And he says, my soul is greatly troubled. The same words again. Why? Because the wrath of God against sin is about to be poured out. And so the psalm asks, how long? How long do I have to sit in this languishing and not know the great love of God? And so he says again, turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. We just got done talking about his steadfast love in Psalm 5. But he makes a great point here that I want to just put out there. I'm not going to take the time right now to go through and try to make an entire excursus 
on purgatory, but listen again to verse 5. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? In death, talking about those who die without faith. There is no remembrance. In Sheol, the place of the dead, who will give you praise? After our life is over on this earth, there are only two places to go. The faithful enter Abraham's bosom. The unfaithful, the unbelieving, go into the fires of hell. And there, there is no remembrance because there is nothing but endless torment. There is no middle ground of the people trying to get out and trying to make their way up from the bottom. No. It does not exist. Again, not going into a great excursus, just wanting to point that out, that here we have, in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? What is there to say about that? And so as we continue on with the penitential nature, David talks about the weeping and moaning that he drenches his bed with every night because of his sins. This very well could come also at a time of your, uh, his sins against Uriah and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. Could be a completely different time. Could be as he's fleeing from Absalom. We don't have a historical note in the superscription like we do with some, but he is at a moment where he is remembering his sin. And when he talks about it, it is willful and deliberate. As uh, Father Patrick Henry Reardon says again in his book, every deliberate and willful sin is a step in the direction of hardness of heart. Psalm 6, as a penitential psalm, takes sin very seriously. The sin spoken of here is deliberate willful. It is not just a mistake. It is not something for which we simply apologize. It is rather a voluntary affront to God's image in us. The taking away of sin required the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross. This fact itself tells us how serious is this whole business of sin. This is why David is weary. This is why he is languishing. This is why his bed is flooded with tears. Because he knows he is a sinner. And he finishes out, as with most of the penitential psalms, on a high note. He's not just left wallowing and languishing. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. Why does the Lord accept his prayer? Because of Christ. Because it is a serious matter for sin in our lives, sin in the world, but it is also a serious matter of the redemption that is there in the cross of Christ. And that is where I leave you for this episode as we have dug deeper into Psalms 4 through 6. Next month, we'll look at Psalms 7 and 8 as we dig deeper. Next week is, well, next week, it's actually tomorrow as I'm recording this, is Pro Wrestling America again, and then the Confessional Corner coming up as we continue to go through the truly great, important 
message that is there in justification, continuing on in Apology of the Augsburg Confession, Article 4, on justification. And we're still, this being the third episode on this, still in the introduction to the article. That's how important this business is. That's how important it is to know what we believe so that we can wrestle with all the theologies around us and know which one is true. So I leave you with God's richest blessings as you wrestle with theology with this week. Amen.